there is only one. There is only one energy in this universe. It is this universe. And of that one, we are a part. No different. As a drop of water is the same as the ocean, we are the same as that one. Speaking of drops of water, the rain falls and the earth receives the water and the trees flourish and the flow moves on. It is flow. This this energy of the universe is flow. It flows through us as love and light and joy and pain. It flows through us as us, as the one. And it's all good. Even when it hurts, it's all good. Because it's all God. And in our, in our learning and understanding that this is true, that this is all one of the flow, we celebrate each other, we hold each other, we care, we cry, we laugh, we learn. We take in and we give out. It's all part of the flow. And I'm grateful to know this in those moments when I feel stuck. I'm grateful to know it's part of the flow. This too shall pass, but overriding it all is love. The love of God, the love of the universe. If there's love in the world, then there is love, then God is that love. And I'm grateful for this. And I surround myself, I wrap myself in this lovely blanket, this lovely shawl of love. Holding that truth above all is love. And I let this go, and I celebrate that it is easy and joyful. And so it is. You know, when I was a Zen Buddhist, we'd sit in the Zen room, and and, um, we'd sit in meditation on our meditation cushions around the Zen room. And the the sensei, the, the Zen teacher, was sitting just on one of the cushions, just like us. And we would meditate for about a half an hour, and then he would just start a, uh, what it was called a Dharma talk. He wouldn't stand up, he wouldn't walk around, he didn't step behind a podium, he just, we just all sat on the meditation cushions as he just simply spoke this deep truth for us to take in. So I just thought we'd play with that today, is that okay? Cool. So our talk today is on giving and receiving, and this is not the giving to the church talk. Okay? <laughs> darn, we got a darn up here. But it's not that. It's actually exploring the principle of giving and receiving. 
The principle, the spiritual principle of giving and receiving. See, we live in a universe that is constantly pulsing, right? It's, it's, a, it's a pulsation universe. It's a receive. I consider giving and receiving the in-breath and the out-breath of the, of the universe, of life itself. We all have in-breath and we all have out-breath, yes? I know that because you're sitting here still alive <laughs> and not passed out. And so it's, it's that in-breath, out-breath. And you notice they don't happen simultaneously. They happen, what, one right after the other, right? Okay. It's the ebb and flow of the ocean. It's the pulsing of stars. It's the beating of our hearts that are a pulse. They take in, they give out. They take in, they give out. And so that's, that's the giving and receiving principle. We all live in that. Every cell of our body is playing with that. A single-celled amoeba, the most single, simple point of life, single-celled point of life, pulses. It pulses out and in. It, it expands and contracts. It expands and contracts. Something interesting about amoebas. When you get one close to another amoeba, they both pulse faster. They get excited about being close. That's why I invited you to come close. Your little cells are pulsing a little bit faster because it's fun to be around other people, right? Unless it's not, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, unless it's not. Now, an amoeba, scientists have tried this, and, and, and if you remember your, your high school biology class, maybe you did this. If you prick an amoeba, if you cause it a little bit of pain, it stops pulsing and it contracts, and then after a while, it'll start to expand, and it'll start to do its pulsing again. And if you cause a pain again, it'll contract again, and it'll stay contracted a little longer. If you do enough causing a pain, enough pricks with it, it will just simply contract, stay contracted, and die. Guess what? You and I are not necessarily different than that. You and I are not necessarily different than that. Take a breath. As Buffy so eloquently said in her prayer, you know, all of life is this, including the, the pain and, and, the, and the challenges of that. And so we've all been broken. We've all had that pain experience at some time in our life, yes? Okay. Anybody who has lived a pain-free? No, I'm not seeing anybody. Okay. So we've been pricked during our life, and parts of our life thereafter, if we've been, if we've been hurt enough, have died off. Or we don't really occupy those rooms, if you might say, anymore. I might have a room of loving relationships that I don't occupy anymore. I might have a room of feeling safe financially that I don't occupy anymore. So we stop our own pulsing, or we slow down our own pulsing, we bring it back, and we go from these beautiful, joyful, innocent beings who are pulsing with the universe. I mean, you ever watch a kid? I just spent uh, part of last weekend with my two-year-old grandson. He pulses, Right? <laughs> You know, and so that's how we all are until we get hurt often enough and we start to contract and we start to contract and we start to contract. And then instead of being the beautiful, vibrant, pulsing, joyous beings, we tend to be, I've got it all together. I'm cool. I'm not going to let you see much, but I've got, I've got a surface and you, you should know it's all together. I'm all together. Really, I am. Okay. And we become like that. Yes. None of you, but you know people. You've got a cousin third removed that you've seen do that, right? Okay, or you've seen somebody. So we learn to play it safe. We learn to to not let our full brightness and joy shine. Okay, we don't, and so we don't give and receive fully anymore. We're not playing at that game anymore. And so for some of us, it's hard to when we're in that broken state. It's hard to give fully, and for some of us, it's hard to receive fully. 
because we don't trust what's being given to us. I loved your, your analogy of the raindrops falling and the earth receives them. And the earth eventually gives the water back up to the sky, which then returns it to the earth. And this constant flow up and down. And that's how nature works. And that's how we can work if we're in that place. But we tend to sit in our brokenness. I was listening on, on the way to the airport last, uh, last Friday. I was listening to um, the CD of Gypsy Soul. And they have a lyric in one of their songs that says, it's, it's not our heartaches, but our loves we hold dear. And I had to ask myself, is that true for me? And the truth of the matter for me was I realized I hold my heartaches dear. I hold the hurts dear. In other words, that's what I focus on a little more. And when I focus on my heartaches, when I focus on my hurts, I'm not giving fully. I'm not in that full vibration because I'm focusing on the hurt. I don't know if anybody else does that, but I noticed that I did that. Okay? And so just being aware of, of what is it you're holding dear today. Ernest says... The world breaks everyone, and afterward, many are stronger at the broken places. Oh, that was Ernest Hemingway, by the way. (laughs) He said that in a farewell to arms. The world breaks everyone, and afterward, many are stronger at the broken places. So we've all experienced feeling broken, right? We've all experienced that feeling broken. And then when we're broken, when we're living in that brokenness, we separate ourselves from ourselves. We separate ourselves from each other. We separate ourselves from spirit. We, we stop pulsing in that free pulse. Take a breath. If you can, just let yourself visibly or, or feel yourself starting to pulse a little more. Just to let a little more aliveness in. Would that be okay? A little more aliveness. A little more pulsing. So as children, when we had those broken experiences, and most of us had those as children, right? Before we were eight years old. And we made up stories about what that broke, what the experience meant. And usually the stories involved something about us. I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, worth, I'm worthless. I'm not, you know, whatever it is. You know, there's something wrong with me. Anybody besides me ever make up that kind of a story as a child? You know? (laughs) And then we continue them as adults, right? Because we learn that pattern. We continue them as adults. But we first make them up as, as children. And because we don't sit there and go, mom or dad was having a bad day or is really unskilled in their parenting skills or whatever is going on. Okay? We don't look and say, oh, it's, it, you know, it has nothing, that had, I, I'm not taking it personally. Four-year-olds don't do that, right? They take it all personally. Okay? And so we do that. We tend to do that. And so we hide this brokenness. And eventually we start to develop behaviors patterns, ways of being in the world, so that you won't see my brokenness. Anybody relate? Okay. You won't see my brokenness. Those behaviors, ultimately, though, don't get us what we really want, which is to be in the loved, which is to be in the giving and receiving, which is to be in this flow of the universe. The behaviors don't really work. Okay. We aren't in the, the love that the universe really is. We don't immerse ourselves in that. We don't give it. We don't receive it as fully as we can. We're just here to be love machines. Maybe we could do that for a song. I'm just a love machine. <laughs> yeah, we'll do the disco service. And so we're here to just be that pulsing, just like the water between the sky and the earth. We're here to be the flow of love. 
to receive it and to give it, to receive it and to give it, to receive it and to give it, in all of its forms, in all of its ways. Take a breath. You know that's why we're here, right? You know that's what we're really about. Somewhere within each of us, we know that's what we're really about, but we get scared. We get scared. If I'm too loving, I might get hurt. If I let you too close. We had, a, we had an exercise last weekend in my, in my uh, workshop that I attended. And we imagined ourselves the person that we had <clears throat> an issue with. And we, we had a person who was there. And then we had a, a two, two little pieces of paper. One said, too close. And so we would walk as close as we felt safe to that person and lay down the too close where we felt it was too close. And then we would back up and say, where's too far? By the way, my too close was across the room. The whole length of the room. Okay? My, my too far might have been outside the door, but I wasn't allowed to go outside the door. So, so we, have, we all have that, that what's too close and what's too far with each other. We've learned that. We've learned that. You know, when we say the namaste, as we did at the end of that song, the God in me recognizes the God in you. The love in me sees the love in you. There's a part of us that knows this is true, and then there's a part of us that's really scared to do that. Yes? To get all jiggly. That's why we sit scattered throughout the sanctuary. That's why I've still got some folks over here kind of keeping a little bit of a safe distance. You know, they, they've moved forward, but, they've, you know, but they're not too close. There's, in Japanese uh, culture, there's an art, uh, a process called kintsugi, which is the art of repairing a broken pot with gold. Can you... Put that image up. Is it up? Okay, sorry. A repairing a broken pot with gold. Which image did you take that one? So that's a teacup that broke. And it's been repaired with gold. And so it actually adds value. The broken piece is actually more valuable and considered more beautiful than the original piece. How about if your places where you're broken are where you can be stronger, more valuable, more beautiful because of your brokenness. Read that in for a moment. We think we have to hide our brokenness from each other. In healing, there's the idea of what's called the wounded healer, that I can't support your healing from your woundedness unless I've experienced woundedness. Okay. And then my woundedness, instead of becoming just a wound, becomes a place of value, becomes a place of beauty. But I can walk you through that, and you can discover your beauty and support somebody else in walking through that and discovering their beauty. And that's where we start to get the flow of love when we can see our beauty. So the gold that heals us is love, the capital L, the infinite love of the universe as we let it in. But again, when we feel broken, what do we do? We cut ourselves off from love, right? We hold back. We don't let that love flow. When we receive the love, we pulse with the universe, we can start to move past our stories. We can start to move past our behavior patterns. And, and the invitation is to not... When we had that too close, too far exercise, we were asked the question, what's one step further? Intimacy happens one step further than too close. Intimacy happens one step farther than too far. What's a step that you can take where in your broken places? And, and the emphasis was, it's not 100 steps. You'll feel overwhelmed if you take 100 steps too close. 
Take one step closer. If I've got somebody that I have a hurt with, take one step closer. And doesn't necessarily have to mean if, if the person is not a, a safe person, you know, due to behavior to be with an abusive person, that doesn't mean you necessarily go closer to them physically, but you may in your mind take a step closer. I'm willing to see the God in this person a little bit more, just a little bit more. Just a little, a little bit, is that okay? A little bit more, one step more. It starts to move us into our hearts. It starts to move us a little farther into the pulsing and the love of the universe, into that flow, into that giving and receivingness. When I looked at my patterns last weekend, see, we develop patterns we, we, to hide our brokenness, as I, as I mentioned. So what I realized was my brokenness, and, and we did a whole bunch of process, two days of processes around it, <clears throat> that I came to, you know, I feel not valuable, not good enough, and if I don't show up good enough, I'll be abandoned and die. That's, that's the brokenness, okay? And, and trust me, I'm not the only one in this room who has that sort of a thing going on. I know that because I wasn't the only one in that room that had that sort of thing going on. Out of that, I've developed a pattern of, when I was a kid, I was the good boy, right? Until I wasn't. But I've developed a pattern of being competent and caring. That's my, my pattern. I'm a competent carer. And I bet you know that about me already, right? Okay. I have to do it all right. I have to be competent. I can't drop any balls. And by the way, if I was competent and caring yesterday, it's worthless today. I have to start all over again today. It's not additive. It's not cumulative. If I'm not competent and not caring, you won't love me. And by you, I mean just the world will not love me. One of my steps forward that I took, not thinking about it, was two weeks ago at the community meeting where I was, we were talking about the planning for the pledge drive, and I said, we dropped a ball. I dropped a ball. I didn't get the planning out enough. And I got reinforced. You know, Carolyn said, thank you for truth, thank you for honesty. And it was like, I can drop a ball and not be killed. Now, to the little child, that's a huge deal. I remember when I was working my first job in, in life and casualty, I made a pretty good-sized mistake that affected a bunch of field offices, and I thought I was going to be fired. And instead, my boss and his boss just started saying, okay, well, in that case, we need to do this, and we need to start doing that. And they just started problem-solving the thing. And I remember standing there, and I was like in shock. I looked at them, and I said, aren't you going to fire me? And they looked at me in shock and said, no. You know, if, you didn't do it, if you didn't do that, we didn't train you right. And I sat there, and I had this little voice that goes, this place doesn't operate like my home does. And it really didn't. It was a healthier way of being. And it was a shock. Okay? And so for me, it's that. Each of us has a, a behavior of how we are with the world, of how we want the world to see us so that they don't see our brokenness. The problem is that eventually we get to a point where we get to what, what was called the between a rock and a hard place pattern. Okay? So my between a rock and a hard place pattern is I want to be vulnerable and loved as who I am, but I don't want to let go of control. Can I be vulnerable and love for who I am without letting go of control? No. Because being vulnerable is letting go of control. Letting you really see me, intimacy, intimacy is letting go of control. And so we all have these patterns. So take a breath. Ask yourself, what is my pattern? How do I work in this? What is it that I do to hide my brokenness? Where have I felt broken? This is our first spiritual practice for this coming week. Where have I felt broken? 
that I would like to heal. Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe it's in uh, health and body. Maybe it's in uh, how I express in the world. Maybe it's in money. Maybe, it, you know, all sorts of different ways. Where's an area in my life? You don't take the whole life, okay? Just one, just one. The way we set up the whole workshop was you, you were, had to arrive with a complaint. We kept a complaint log for a month beforehand of complaints that I had about other people and complaints that other people had about me and reactions also that I was, was logging. And I was so fortunate because I found out, as some of you know, that my second ex-wife is moving into the area um, during this period of time so I could have a reaction to, to journal about because I didn't have a whole lot of journaling that I could do about it because I, I tend to not complain a whole lot, and I tend to hope that nobody complains about me a whole lot, but I know that they do. And so, so I wasn't, I didn't have like pages of journals, so I got to have a couple more pages of journals with that. But, but we walked in with, what's, who's a person that I have a complaint with? And that was what we worked with for the whole weekend. It's the thread that followed. And so you can just notice, where do I have a complaint in my life? What is it that triggers me off? This is a person who showed up in my complaint log three times. I said, okay, that's probably a person who I have a complaint with. And so I got to work with that complaint and, and see where it led and, and walk through it. So where's an area in your life that you feel broken, that you would like to have a healing? Just one. And then secondly, what are your behaviors that you use to hide your feeling of being broken? What do you do? A whole lot of us at that workshop were competent. There was one that, that and, and by the way, it's pretty obvious. If, if you're not sure, ask somebody who knows you reasonably well. They know your game. See, that's the thing. We all try to hide it, but guess what? We wear it. Emerson says that what you are screams so loudly, I can't hear a word you're saying. <laughs> Apparently, in the, the workshop, the two-day workshop used to be a five-day workshop, and, and they said that they used to stand each person one at a time on stage, and everybody else would say, oh, your pattern is this, because it was so obvious. So we had this one woman who sat there, and she was a very dynamic woman, and she said, I'm a super achiever. That's my behavior. And it's like, yeah, you are. We got it. You know? And so we all have this pattern and we all know it. And if we don't know it, because we're blind to it, because we've been doing it for so long, ask your spouse, ask somebody who's a close friend, ask someone who won't stomp on you for it, but will just gently, gently give you feedback. I'm <laughs> playing with these guys over here. What's the pattern that I use? Mine is that competent carer. And... Am I willing to let go of that pattern to experience greater joy? Am I willing to take a step past where I've been? Am I willing to risk being, letting you see that sometimes I'm incompetent? Sometimes I don't care. Is that okay? You'll still love me anyway. I might annoy you. You might get mad because I dropped the ball. But you'll still love me. And I'll still love you. Except, no. <laughs> so that's the second one. First one is, what are, where have I felt broken? Secondly, what's the behaviors that I use? And the third process that I invite you to do is then, what step, what step, one step, can I take to go past my current places of contracting? What's the step? Maybe it's forgiving. Maybe it's reaching out to that person that I don't really want to reach out to, but I know I should. Maybe it's giving more. Maybe it's giving more time. Maybe it's giving more money. Maybe it's giving more love. Maybe it's giving more appreciation. And also, where can I receive? I can't remember who I was talking to. 
it might have been in our, class, our practitioner class yesterday, where we talked about that as a practitioner, it's just somebody says, you did really good. And you recognize that, A, it's not me, ego me, doing really good as in a session. It's I let God through. But I also can say thank you. Thank you for that. So we don't get attached to being recognized, but we are also not pushing it away. We've all met people, if you give them a compliment, you know, you know that's a great you know, shirt, and you say, oh, this old thing, I got this years ago, I thought, you know, whatever, right? And, and they can't just say thank you. And so if that's part of your exercise this week. If somebody compliments you on something, just say thank you. No energy about it. Don't give them the story. Don't tell them why you don't really deserve that compliment. Just say thank you and take it in. Thank you. You're beautiful beings. Do you know that? Thank you. <laughs> Play with the area you feel the most scared about and let yourself take a step forward. One step, one step. Not the whole thing, one step. Turn it over to spirit. The thing that I've learned is you can't do it by yourself. I can't heal myself by myself because guess what? I'm too wrapped up in my pattern and I can't see it. Everything we did in that workshop, almost everything we did in that workshop was in either dyad, two people talking to each other, or quadrad, whatever you call that, where there was four of us talking to each other because somebody else could reflect back. Don't be scared to let somebody reflect back. That's what practitioners, by the way, do really well. You know, when Buffy talked about that she and, and Reverend Carey are available for prayer support afterwards, that's something that a practitioner can do really well, is to reflect back to you, not only where you've, been, where you've felt that you're broken and not accept that as the truth. I like to say that a practitioner is somebody who can listen to your story, see your brokenness, and not believe a word of it. Not believe your brokenness. And then know your wholeness and support you in knowing your wholeness. So don't do it by yourself because you can't. Spirit provides the gold, and so let spirit provide the gold. So that's our practice this week. Are you willing to play with that? Yeah. To, to look at where is an area that you feel hurt that you'd like to have uh, healing in, to start to see if, what, what can I recognize as my behavior patterns, how have I been hiding from other people, and then finally to, let, to, to take a step past that, to let something new in your life. And to let spirit support you in that process. So that's our practice this week. So that's my giving receiving talk. I want to do one more little piece. And it's about our pledge drive. And I know I said at the beginning of the pledge drive, I wasn't going to talk about the pledge drive. <clears throat> I dropped the ball. Can you forgive me? I'm going to talk about the pledge drive. <laughs> the council all says, yes, please, David, talk about the pledge drive. And I, I decided this yesterday when we thought we only had about 40, less than $45,000 in pledges. We've gotten in since a couple of uh, some pledges that have bumped us up to a nicer number, but we're still a little short. Just so you know, our operating pledge budget this, this year has been 137000 We set one twenty five as a goal because we wanted to celebrate blowing past the goal. You know, we want to we have Kathy overflowing this jar up here and have stuff laying around it. So I just wanted to mention that. And, and so... I want to be clear on what pledging is. Pledging is just saying, you're, going to, you're saying, this is what I plan to donate this coming year for your church. It's not tithing. Tithing is a spiritual practice of giving 10%. It's not tithing. You may do tithing as your pledge, but they're two separate things. Pledging is just how much am I going to give you. And the way I look at it is this. If you go for a job interview, okay, you're going for a job interview, and you love the company, 
love what they do, and you decide, yeah, I really want to. And you ask them, how much money do you, you know, how much do you pay? And they say, oh, we don't talk about money. We don't talk about money here. We're just all about our product. Well, <clears throat> um, how, how often do I pay? We don't talk about money. <laughs> Would you go to work for that company? No. Any, I didn't see any hand. Okay, no. But we, we want churches to be that way, right? We want our spiritual center to be that way because we, <clears throat> I shouldn't talk about money. We, we have to have money. Your, your life purpose is not to make money, right? And pay bills. You got that, right? That's not your life. Some, some days it might seem like that. That, you know, I get up, I go to, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. But that's not really your life purpose. Your life purpose is to do whatever it is, but you need to pay the bills so that you can do your life purpose, right? You need to have that, that you know, you've noticed the people who have no bills also don't tend to really actualize their life purpose a whole lot, right? Yes? You've noticed that? Okay. They're called homeless folks. And, and we may get all kind of esoteric and say that, well, they're really here to live their sole purpose. And, you know, thank you very much. And we're not seeing that they're really contributing hugely to the culture in terms of living their life purpose. And for the most part, probably aren't overly happy and excited about that. Okay. So we have to have this, this baseline to live on where we, we pay our rent or mortgage, we pay our lights, we buy our food and stuff like that in order to just live and do our purpose. It's the same thing with the center. You know, you, you like the, it's good to have a place to meet, especially on rainy days, right? Yes? Okay, have a roof over our heads. We're not standing out in some parking lot somewhere. Okay, it's nice that, you know, our, our musicians like to get paid because, you know, and, and the minister likes to get paid and our, our uh, bookkeeper likes to get paid and our administrative person likes to get paid and our child care people like to get paid because, you know... <laughs> My landlord is a really nice guy. And I asked him if I could just live in the house for free. And he said, well, I've got this mortgage that i got to pay on the house. Just for point of emphasis. And I go to the grocery store and I say, "Can I? You know, I'm a minister. I have a call. And I say, that's nice. Pay your bill. Okay? So it takes, you know, we live in a culture where it takes money. Huh? It's flow. It's just flow. And so I just want to mention, as we do the pledge drive, to support, the ple- to support yourself, this spiritual community, and to support the flow. And it's a place to practice flow. We give, we receive. As we give, we receive. As we receive, we give. And oftentimes, by the way, in churches, you get a whole lot of give, 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 without a whole lot of receive, receive, receive. Okay? I'm going to tell you it's give, 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 and receive, receive, receive. You know, if you're not open to the universe giving to you, okay, you're not going to have a whole lot to, to give you more. You know, to use your metaphor of the rain falling, you know, I, I've lived in Southern California where the ground is really hard. And so when you get a huge downpour, the ground can't receive it. It just rolls off. Okay, just rolls off. We live here where the, the, the earth is used to receiving water. Yes? Okay, we're all used to receiving water. And so can receive. Can I be a porous place to receive? 
So that's why I just want, that's, that's all about basically I want to say about the pledge drive. Barb has pledge cards right there and she'd be happy to uh, support you. If, does, if anyone would like a pledge card right now, if you raise your hand, Barbara would be happy to run around. There's one over there. A couple in here. And the amount doesn't matter. It's just, it all contributes, okay? Some of us can give a little, some of us can give some more, some of us can give a lot. But the idea is the giving. It's just the giving. You've got, you got a couple in here. And so I invite you to just play with that. Just play with that. There was one behind you. Great. Thank you. I think that was it. Was there somebody else? End of my talk on the pledge drive. Take a breath. I want to close my giving receiving talk with a, a quote from Joel Goldsmith. And he talks about Psalm 139. I want to start with Psalm 139, which says, If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I descend into hell, you are there. Spirit is there. Spirit is everywhere, right? If I say, Surely the darkness shall be as a light upon me, even the night shall be light before my face. The darkness shall be not shall not be dark to you, to spirit. But the night shines as the day. Because to spirit, light and dark are the same. To spirit, light and dark are the same. So our brokenness, our places of darkness. One of my favorite passages out of the Bible was when Joseph of the multicolored coat, you know, his brothers come to him kind of late in the story asking for food because there's a famine going on in Israel and he's now second in command in Egypt and they walk in. And in the previous episode of Joseph and his brothers, sort of like a television show, you know, previously on that, they had beat him up and dumped him in a pit and then sold him off to slavery. That's probably not a good way to leave your brother, Right. And then you walk into his house, his territory, with all the soldiers around. He's second in command. And you're sitting there going, oh, darn. (laughs) And so he messes with them for a little while. He plays them for a little while. But finally, he reveals himself. He says who he is. And he looks at them and he says, what you did, you intended for evil. But God used it for good. Spirit can use our brokenness for good if we're open to that. See, he stayed, Joseph, in his whole story, in his whole travel through that process, stayed open to spirit constantly. And so that's the invitation from that psalm. Joel Goldsmith says, At some time and some place in our experiences, each of us stands in hell. Yes? It may be the hell of sin, mistakes. It may be the hell of disease. It may be the hell of lack and limitation, of unemployment, of danger, of insecurity. All of these are hellish, horrid experiences. But they are transformed when we realize that even in the midst of this hell, God is there. The place whereon I stand is holy ground. The place where you're standing right now place where you're sitting right now, is holy ground. Not because it's a church, but because you're here. Because it's all holy. Why? Because God is there. Why search for God who is standing in your shoes? Why search for God who is standing in your shoes? Let's move into prayer. So taking in a deep breath with me, just knowing this truth. That wherever we are, that infinite presence, by whatever name we give it, God, Spirit, Allah, 
Adonai, the one mind, the big enchilada, whatever name we give it, it is all there is. And it is love. Every spiritual teaching, every mystic who's ever really touched that has said it's love. It's love beyond anything we know. That infinite presence is pure love. It's a love that protects us from nothing and yet sustains us in everything. It is pure love. And so I speak my word that each of us presents the shards of our brokenness on the altar of our heart, on the altar of our spirit, and allows that brokenness to be seen, to be witnessed, to be held in love and molded back together with the gold of love, that golden love that is the nature of spirit. As we say yes, as we stop hiding our brokenness and be honest with ourselves, we open up to something greater. As we move into opening to this dance of this pulsing of the universe, the yin-yang energy of the universe, into this giving, receiving, in-breath, out-breath of the universe, as we take a little bit deeper breath in and a little release a little bit more out, as we play just a little bit more, our life starts to get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better because that is the nature of the universe. And so I speak my word that we say yes to our wholeness, yes to our love, yes to our fullness, yes to the dance and the pulsation of the universe that is happening within and as each of us. We are dancers in the light. We are dancers of the light. And so in gratitude for knowing this truth of ourselves, knowing that God is and we are, and for all the good that comes out of this, I release this word into what we call the law, that process that knows exactly how to make this work in our life, how to move it from an idea into an experience, into a form that we actually tangibly experience. We say yes to that, and we affirm that it is so by saying together, and so it is. Bless you all. You're lovely. Thank you so much. So today in the kids' class, we learned that Moses had a tough time taking in all the Israels. So he <laughs> went to meditate, and he said, "God," and he thought, "God is all there is." And then they were all given food and everything they needed until they got to their promised land. Mm-hmm. So in the teens' room today, we talked about boundaries and consent and how um, it's important to know your, your, your personal boundaries as well as other people's and that consent is important both ways and making sure to let people know your boundaries.